Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today on the Rob Skinner Podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Brian Craig. Brian Craig is an evangelist, a teacher, songwriter, and worship leader known for some of the many songs he's written that are sung in our family of churches, uh, congregations around the world, the ICOC. Songs like, Be With Me, Lord, I Need Your Love, Great Among the Nations, Anchor for the Soul. Brian and his wife, Dessa, have served in the full-time ministry for the past 20 years in the Los Angeles Church of Christ. They have two sons in college and a daughter in high school who all love God as well. Brian recently completed a master's program in ministry at Pepperdine University. Brian's the go-to for all major kingdom gatherings for theme songs and anthems. And if you've been in an ICOC church and worship there, it's almost guaranteed you've sung many of his songs and would recognize many songs. Today we're going to talk to Brian about his past, how he developed his talents, and how normal disciples can become more musical. And hopefully you'll, you'll get an inspiration to develop your musical talent from this conversation. Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. It's awesome to be here. It's an honor. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now, Brian, first question. I usually go by Brian, but in all your songs, it's J. Brian Craig. So <laughs> I just want to know, what does the J stand for? Uh, <laughs> the J stands for James, uh, So, but my parents always called me by my middle name. Um, I guess that's kind of a thing. <laughs> I was born in 71, so um, you don't seem like there's as many people that go by their middle name uh, these days, but that maybe that was a thing back then. But anyways, so all my life growing up, you know, every class, it's like I have to tell the teacher, well, actually, I go by Brian. And I, I got to experience that again when I went back to school uh, four years ago, <laughs> every class. <laughs> People calling you Jim or James? Yeah, especially car salesmen, they'll call you Jim. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just got to ask, is that is that a prerequisite to have three names or an initial to become a musical <laughs> prodigy? I mean, I think about Stephen Leslie Johnson. I think right. Sherwin McIntosh had a middle it's name. E. In Sherwin McIntosh. That, there you go. I go, e. okay, what's McIntosh. going on there? Anything that I should know about? <laughs> well, actually, the only reason I started using J. Brian Craig for the uh, for the, the, the song, when I was writing songs is the, you know, when the internet was new back in the day, um, and I was starting to kind of publish some music, um, com was already taken. Um, it was like a African American realtor in Atlanta or something. I see. Okay. <laughs> so, so, sorry so I was take... like, Oh, J. Brian Craig is available. <laughs> So <laughs> great backstory. Thank you. Yeah. Well, tell me, how'd you become a Christian? I, I know that you come from a, a Church of Christ background. Can you tell me a little bit about your conversion story? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm uh, what what we, we sometimes call kingdom kid, you know, growing up in the church. I'm one of the older kingdom kids in our fellowship of churches. Um, but my parents, it's we come from a, a Church of Christ background on both sides many generations back uh, my dad for sure knows you know name by name my kids are like the ninth generation church of christ uh, wow in one track which is uh, a guy named andrew craig who started a 
a church in in um, Tennessee somewhere, and then on his my dad's um, grandma's side, um, he, they go back to Bethany, West Virginia, which is where Alexander Campbell's from, who's kind of way back in our history. So that he thinks they were in Alexander Campbell's church. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's you know Church of Christ for a long time. Um, so you're a you're a Church of Christ blue blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, but my um, my family got involved in the campus ministry movement, the Crossroads Church and stuff like that back in the early '70s, mid '70s, or something like that. And um, yeah, mid '70s, we moved to Pueblo, Colorado, which was uh, where Willie Flores had been trained at Crossroads, and then he became a campus minister for the church in Pueblo, uh, Colorado, and the church. Um, uh, kind of split and uh, they needed a, a pulpit minister they used to call it back then so my dad moved there to be the the pulpit minister and so I was like uh, seven years old or something so I was born in Florida in Homestead Florida and that's how we kind of got involved with Crossroads through the Florida connection and campus students who would come down our way and then uh, moved to Pueblo and we were there for years and then so I um, was real active in church and stuff but uh, teen years kind of I got baptized when I was in like sixth grade which was kind of the norm in the, in the Church of Christ to get baptized pretty young um, and then you know teen years I at that point my repentance you know in sixth grade was like being mean to my sister or mm-hmm. you know um, talking back to mom and dad or you know I, the sinful nature hadn't really fully blossomed yet so to speak and um, so then, you know, my teen years, I, I, I really was living a double life. I, I was active in church, involved in the camp, you know, in the, in the uh, um, campus, the teen ministry, and uh, but also like kind of a different life with my school friends. And, you know, I wouldn't drink at parties, but I would go to parties or I wouldn't, um, you know, I was just trying to walk that edge. You right. know, I didn't, I, right. you know, I wanted to fit in, but... Um, but also wanted to be a, a follower of Christ, and it doesn't really work, <laughs> as we right. know. So um, we moved to Denver uh, my right after my uh, sophomore year of high school um, to uh, be part of a, a discipling ministry. Denver had been planted by Marty Wooten uh, from Gainesville, but with a Boston-style planting, which was kind of from scratch uh, rather than what, what the campus ministry churches used to do, like with Willie, is send a campus minister to an already existing Church of Christ, and then you'd have this kind of dichotomy of older people who were sort of, in some cases, kind of lukewarm, and then all these young, fired-up college students, and it, it wouldn't really mix, and it would cause problems. So Boston started doing, we're just from the ground up, disciples only was the terminology, uh, churches. And so uh, Denver was planted like that, and so we moved there because my, my parents wanted to get more involved in the discipling ministry as things were congealing around Boston and everything. And um, so when we did that, um, I, I was already kind of, I, I was seeing it as a fresh start. You know, I, I was like, I really want to be committed. I really want to, you know, I, I know I'm not doing this right, you know. And so I was really trying to go after things more in my walk with God and, and be more committed. And Marty Wooten was talking a lot about um, this idea of being a disciple and, uh, you know, what, what we know is the discipleship study, uh, those who are familiar with 
our study series, just the idea of Jesus calls people to total commitment. And um, I remember talking with my uh, teen leader, Drew Nitschoff. He was actually my teen leader as well as doing a, a lot of other things for the Denver Church, but about how I, I think I don't think I ever really became a disciple when I got baptized in sixth grade. And he said, well, just hang on to that thought. We're going to kind of all go through this time of, of looking at our conversions coming up here. And, and uh, because there was this thing that was happening in our church is called a reconstruction where you kind of go through and every person sort of examines their conversion and all that. So I said, okay, so, but, but I feel like it was Marty's teaching that really helped me to see that I had never been a disciple and needed to be a disciple. And, and, um, so I was really questioning my conversion. So then when the reconstruction happened, I got together with some guys and really talked about my life and my faith and my walk and the fact that I, um, you know, needed to totally commit. I never really had made that total commitment in sixth grade. And so I got baptized and that was in 1988. Wow. Um, so there was, I mean, not to get too into it, there, there was some, I, I think, um, bad exegesis of scripture uh, back then to say that the, the or, you know, of, of Matthew 28 and saying one, one has to be a disciple before they are baptized because them refers to the disciples. And if you just read the Greek, that's not what it says. So, but I see how even, even though that was maybe flawed, God used that in my own life to, to, um, help me come to a true conversion, you mm -hmm. know, and, and see that I needed to, to be all in. And it made such a difference, um, in my life being all, all in and, and getting baptized, uh, there, right. Going into my, right at the end of my junior year of, uh, high school. And, uh, yeah. So, and then I've been faithful ever since. Wow. Now, how old are you, Brian? Uh, I am 49. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You've yep. got a lot of living packed into those, into those years. Now, yeah. you, you went from there, and how did you, when did you choose ministry? Why did you choose ministry? Um, that's a good question. So, I mean, part of the flavor of campus ministry in those days was we're going to change the world, which I think is awesome, and I feel like there's a, a resurgence of that in our churches and uh, just a desire to serve God. I think um, we probably erred on the side of... Um, the only way to change the world is being full-time in the ministry, mm -hmm. which I don't think is true. But, um, but there, there was a good and healthy, you know, kind of um, culture of, of college students wanting to be in the ministry. And so um, my college years were, were very were, were fruitful. I was very active, studied the Bible with all kinds of people, baptized a lot of people. I was a college intern. Um, for a summer, started a new campus ministry at a college and, and did work with singles and just, I was super, you know, I, and I loved it. I just really enjoyed that. And so I, I really wanted to go in the ministry, um, but it kind of didn't work out for me. Uh, Whereas some of my friends that were kind of fellow interns and stuff, they kind of were on a track, they went into the ministry. I'm a little, um, I'm not kind of your typical I'm not cut out of the same cloth as a lot of your typical evangelists that were like captain of the football team or um, just very driven. I mean, like you, <laughs> basically, you know, who I really look up to, your work ethic and 
just intensity and and kind of a natural born leader i'm not i don't look at myself as a natural born leader um i'm kind of i've learned that skill um through discipling and training but i'm a natural born artist and moody introvert uh <laughs> you know um so uh so I ended up uh, in a career. We moved out here. Greg Moretzky asked us to move out here to help with the LA Church, as it was um, he was serving here in a in a, a particular part of the LA Church in the early '90s. He had been our campus minister, um, my wife and I, and he was really close to us, and he uh, really close to my wife. My wife was kind of like a daughter to Greg and Kathy, and so and I was kind of like the daughter's boyfriend that Greg would would beat up on (laughs) (laughs) but um and we're still close greg's one of the big biggest influencers in my life probably but so he asked us to move out here at the end of 92 uh, right after we got engaged and we were young i mean dust and i dated i met her my freshman year and um in college and we uh you know we went on nine dates before we started going steady um because she wasn't ready for a boyfriend yet, but uh, but then we dated for three years. She graduated, so we were going to get married, and, and then we ended up moving out here. But uh, I ended up in a career in uh, in in uh, tech. I, I, I was working for a computer reseller and doing marketing and, and product management, and um, it was uh, a great. I mean, it was kind of like a being paid to get an education because it, it, marketing if. If anybody listening has been in, in a marketing department, it's it's a great place to be because you're kind of at the intersection of all these different parts of a company. And it was a pretty big company. Um, it grew uh, exponentially. And my way in was knowing computers from doing music, but I still didn't deserve to get the job I had. I was hired into sales, and then I moved into corporate sales, and then product management and marketing. I was there for six years, which um, isn't a long time for a company, but in the world of tech in the 90s, uh, it was eternity because people were moving all over the place in the tech industry because that was kind of the dot-com era, the dot-com bubble and stuff. But uh, anyway, I say all that to say I, I wouldn't trade that. I was so grateful that God worked it. Because then I when I did get asked to go in the ministry in the year 2000, so 20 years ago, it, it wasn't just uh, – I, I, I had a, a, a career, so I knew what it was like to work, you know, 50, 60-hour weeks um, to um, – you know, to have that kind of experience uh, has been so invaluable these last 20 years in ministry to have had that. So I, I, I see what God was doing. And the way that into the ministry was, um, you know, I've, I've always been real active in even when I was working full time in the church and leading singles or leading teen, teens or doing, you know, this or doing that, leading Bible talks, um, doing music, uh, media, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, when a, a position opened up in our region, the uh, the the region leader Mike Santacola um, gave us the opportunity, um, and uh, it was a sacrifice because at the time, whereas if I would have gone kind of straight from college, it would have been like, um, I mean, it it, would, it was a blessing, but it was also a sacrifice in that I you know took a fifty percent pay cut and. You know, I had already kind of in my mind gone, okay, ministry isn't the track I'm on. I'm on this track. Uh, so I came to ministry a little bit older uh, in life than a lot of my fellow kind of interns and, and kind of the norm 
Um, I can't remember what age I was, but I guess I would have been almost 30. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just take the off ramp here and talk a little bit about this. Cause I think there's two things you brought up. One, you didn't think you were cut out for the ministry or that your personality type didn't really fit the mold. And I certainly understand that there was a hard driving type a personality that was like the um, prototype of anyone who wanted to go in the ministry during the 80s and 90s. That's that's for sure. I think everyone noticed that. So um, you wrestle, you know, you wrestled against that. You didn't fit that. Like you said, you more artsy, moody, had had a, <laughs> that kind of a different temperament, perhaps more in, introverted. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, then you went into work and work for six years. And I think there's people listening that are like, you know, man, I want to do something great, but I don't know if I, that's my type. You've got people that are very introverted that are, you know, they really struggle because they go, you know, I want to do something, but it doesn't seem like that's my personality type. And, and then secondly, there are people that are maybe a little bit older. Maybe they've already developed, started a career. They're in their late twenties or, or thirties or whatever, whatever age. And they're like, I I'm, I'd like to do something different, but how do I step off this, this treadmill here? Any comments you want to make on it? Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's all, um, it, it's deep stuff. I, I, I think the, the biggest thing is that is God and the spirit and his leading. You know, it, we're on this journey with him. Um, I think, you know, trust in him, obviously, and listening to the leaning of the spirit is the most important thing. I, I just felt like it was the spirit when at the time, that I got the opportunity to, to go into the ministry full time. It, it was a jumping off. It was a, it was a stepping out on faith because, um, okay, I'm, 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 I'm in a great career. My boss really likes me. My company really likes me. They keep, you know, giving me bonuses and stuff, but, but I see this, I can make, instead of so much time in my day being devoted to, you know, just selling a product for a company that I, that I don't, I mean, I, I like the company, but it doesn't make a difference in the world. Like this can make a difference. So mm -hmm. it was really, I, I want to make a difference in the world. Um, but, um, but it was really the spirit. I feel like the call of God, but, but I don't think ministry, full-time ministry is the only way to make a difference. Um, I think, like you said, I think people are at all kinds of different places in life and, and, um, and career and temperament and all that. So I think, and I think the church is, is better. Um, more healthy than it's ever been in, in, in that regard. Of the, of there's different, you know, people are valued for different, uh, it's not just sort of, one, like you said, one prototype. I, I almost feel like it wasn't just one prototype for ministry. There's almost one prototype for being a Christian. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, yes, not to say we, we shouldn't all evangelize and we shouldn't all um, be aspire to leadership and we shouldn't all make disciples. We should all but we can't all be the Apostle Paul, right? There was, that's right. You know, and I, I love the example of, of um, you know, in Antioch where there was a team, you know, there was these different team, a team of different types of people that God brought together. And to me, that's the mature church is where you have, like Ephesians 4, there's there's pastors, there's teachers, there's evangelists, there's there's different, the body is built up as all each part does its work, yeah. um, what, whatever temperament you are. So I think it's, Rather than, I mean, I think we all want to work on our, on our weaknesses, but I think what I've been learning more the last 10 years is to lean into my strengths. Like right. what, what strengths can I lean into and, and do more for God with those 
yes, keep working on my weaknesses, but rather than just feeling like, oh, I'm no good because I don't have that gift that that guy has. Right, right. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think many people feel limited, like they know they have talents, but they feel like maybe they're not appreciated or don't know how to use them in the context of the kingdom, and there's so much room for it, so that's that's great. Now, let's just shift and, and talk a little bit more about music. Where did you develop this talent for music? Um, yeah, I've always loved music. I started sort of... Um, messing around on the I took piano lessons when I was a kid and then I, I started in probably middle school messing around uh, with chords and trying to learn different songs off the radio um, you know I can remember my cousin teaching me how to play that song uh, Sister Christian grew up on that song <laughs> the great song yeah um, but uh but yeah, just learning how to play, and then starting to write in, in high school. I started writing little piano ditties and stuff, little piano songs, and I was also really into art. I was actually um, a fine art major in college for a little bit, and uh, I do painting, painting and drawing and stuff like that. So I was, I, I was probably even more into art in high school than than music. But I was in marching band, and and like I said, would write little songs on the piano and stuff like that, and. Um, I don't know when I became a decide art had become for me such a a matter of personal expression and almost like an inward thing and um not that it has to be but that's how it was for me and um and music was more outward so as I was as I became a disciple and I was trying to work more on just being outward and 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 uh like I said I'm a natural introvert so learning to give myself away learning to be expressive you know music it, it, it fit more. So I kind of started to lean more into music. And um, whereas in college, I started as a fine arts major, I ended up with, with a music major, I ended up kind of shifting there. And, and, um, you know, so I'm not like a, I was never a music prodigy or anything, but I, I, you know, could, could had an ear for, for music and for songs and, and uh, different instruments and stuff like that. Okay. Well, the, the church of Christ historically is, an acapella church, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, going way back, and when I became a Christian, there was no no instrumental music in the congregation at all, and it was kind of revolutionary when guitars started to be added, added to the service and, and songs. Um, I mean, how, how did you manage that? I mean, you, you come from hardcore Church of Christ background, and now you are major musician, song leader. I mean, that must have been a little bit of a, a discord for you to kind of step into that and make that transition. Um, yeah, I think the the where I was and the the kind of space I was in, it wasn't um, it wasn't unnatural because, well, I'll just share kind of how it happened. So, like, um, yeah, the in the in in the deep south or in kind of the the older church of christ tradition i think there was this like you're not allowed to even make you know have an instrument in the building kind of thing but um for me growing up in uh, our family of churches it wasn't like that it, it instruments weren't used in the worship service but you know if you had a wedding i watched all these college students becoming christians and getting married and stuff like that the the college ministry at Pueblo, Colorado, they were baptizing 100 people a year uh, back in the 70s, which is amazing, you know, at this little college. And 
you know, at weddings, there would be people perform songs at, at the church banquet. There would be people perform things, um, you know, with a guitar or this. So I, you know, so I, there was performance things, just not in the, there, there was sort of two tracks for some reason, you know, it, when, when it came to singing the congregational worship, it was all a cappella, like you said. And that was such a great foundation, I think, to, to learn how to sing different harmonies and to hear the voice of the church. And that's something I worry about losing nowadays and and i think we we don't want to to give up entirely uh, and i think some churches have given up um so when i was in college we would write songs i would write a song for every campus retreat and things like that but they would be more like a performance kind of song like a, a, a alternative rock kind of song or whatever right. um so the first songs i wrote for the church to sing um were like this song thank you lord and and, and that was the first one the second one was I need your love and they were and be with me lord those were written to be a cappella songs they were not written with instrumentation in mind at all so it was it was we were still a cappella but I remember the first time using a a guitar we, there was a all LA women service and Tammy Fleming said why don't you play guitar cuz we don't have you know any guys coming we don't have any harmony so I was like, huh, okay, I could try that. So, so I played beat. She wanted me to come and do Be With Me, Lord. So I did Be With Me, Lord, play guitar with it. So that was the first time I ever played, um, you know, that song with an instrument. I was like, right. I kind of like this. You know, so. <laughs> so you kind of backed your way into it a yeah. little bit. Just kind of eased your way into it. And I, yeah. I think that's a concern that a lot of people feel like if, if you were converted in the 80s and 90s, I mean, there was powerful acapella singing. I mean, just... yeah kind of hair raising, just inspiring, just powerful. Um, and, and yet, you know, that you don't, you don't see that as much in terms of the part singing and things like that. Hopefully we can come back to that. Now, how many songs have you written, Brian? Um, yeah, people ask me that. I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I don't know if it's like a David's mighty men counting the David's <laughs> counting his mighty men thing. I'm like almost afraid to like, you know, count them like it's, uh, uh but, um, I know it's, you know, well over a hundred, you know, um, cause I write a lot of songs that aren't necessarily congregational songs, but, um, probably 50 or more songs that are kind of congregational ones. And then probably, uh, you know, I don't know, a hundred, uh, you know, of other types of songs and stuff. So I, I've written, um, a lot of songs that's and some a lot. are fully formed some are not have never been released you know some are still kind of working on so right now what what did you say was your first song that you wrote that we would know uh well the first congregational song i wrote was um it, it didn't really catch on necessarily but it's a song called thank you lord it goes uh Thank you, Lord, for giving me salvation. There's hope for every nation in the living way. I don't know if you've ever heard that one, but um, it was kind of a, I call it a kind of a Michael Jackson song because it, it was um, like I, I, I was working as a room service waiter and um, I would walk the floors of these, this is in uh, Hyatt and Long Beach, and I would walk the floors of the hotel picking up all the room service trays and um i just got this song in my head <clears throat> and um so it was more of a performance song i guess at first but we still did it kind of with the acapella group but um the original verse was like mm -hmm. it was grace that saved me mm -hmm. your blood that bathed me mm -hmm. 
Your love that gave me everything I need. So you can tell it has kind of a Michael Jackson vibe to it. Definitely has that. That's great. And then the chorus, you know. So I changed the, later I changed the verses to try to be a little simpler for for the church to be able to sing it. We sing it here, but, um, and then the, the, the one that people know is I Need Your Love. And that song, honestly, I wrote because I was so tired of the song Sanctuary. (laughs) 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 And, uh, we sang Sanctuary all the time. And I was like, what song could we sing that? I mean, I want to write a song that we could sing instead of Sanctuary. So I Need Your Love was written to kind of, you know, the same sort of feel or, um, you know, the same kind of theological space. Right. Of, right. That's uh, great. Yeah. What, what do you consider? What, like, what are your top three favorite songs that, that you've written? Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it changes and there's some that last the test of time and some that don't. I mean, I think, cause there's songs, I, I, I get tired of my own songs, um, <laughs> you know, and we stop singing them. So, you know, like we, we stopped singing. I need your, like I said, I got tired of sanctuary. We stopped singing. I need your love for years and years. And now I like it again. Cause we put it away for a while. And that's kind of how I feel about like anchor for the soul or praise heard around the world now or whatever. But, um, my favorite songs I've written right now are actually not congregational songs, but I did a new, um, I did a, a alternative rock project. Um, it's under a band name called ties to the light. And, um, there's a couple songs on there that are just like my favorite songs right now that I've written. One is called, um, and, and just because of, uh, the meaning they have in my life right now. Um, uh, one is called clean getaway and it's about getting up into the mountains and just kind of getting out of the city. And, um, I got up to big bear last week and I, or the week, before and I didn't realize how much my soul just needed it. I I think because I became a Christian, I was living in the foothills and I would go into the mountains and something about the mountains just, um, connects me to God. And, Mm. and, um, so that song is about that, about getting up out of the city. And then there's another song that I'd written. It was actually inspired by the me too movement and black lives matter, but I was thinking about both, but it was before all of the, 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 awareness of racial injustice and things that are going on right now but it's called spark becomes a fire and um that's kind of another favorite song right now just because it's so it's so right now and it's like kind of funny that i wrote that a couple years ago because it's like basically talking about exactly what's (laughs) what's happening right now but um but as far as congregational songs um probably the one i'm I, I, I like the most right now is one called Shadow of Your Wings. I don't know if people know that one either, but that one I wrote for uh, a, a camp. We do a, a youth camp here every summer, and I've, I've gone to youth camp for 10 years, and um, or maybe it's nine years. But anyway, I, I love just there's something about camp, you know, high, uh, these kids that are in middle school that are just developing a relationship with God, belting out. Uh, with all their hearts to God. And then the college students kind of age that go up to be their counselors are just such good hearted, amazing people. So the worship there, we always have like a 45 minute worship block for four nights out of the five. And it's just incredible. But Shadow of Your Wings is one I wrote kind of for camp and it's based on Psalm 57. And uh, that song just never gets old for me. I just love it. 
That's awesome. We're, uh, our, te- we're t- our teens are are doing a teen led service this Sunday, and they they picked that song to sing, and, and they were all at, at, you know campers at one point, so it kind of means, I think it probably means camp for them, and so I'm actually right now working on um, mixing all their little faces together singing that song. <laughs> <laughs> so, I really love that song. That's great. That's fantastic. Now talking, we were just talking about the mountains there. When someone calls you, you get a phone call from someone and they say, hey, Brian, let's say it's Mike Tolliver and he's planning the 2012 you know, Discipleship Summit on the Mountain of the Lord. And you get the, you get the shoulder tap to come in and write the theme for the entire kingdom. <laughs> walk me through the process. Like, what do you do once you get that phone call? Um that's a good question. I mean, I, it's an honor to get to be asked to do stuff like that. Um, I think I, um, I mean, I, I pray about it a lot. I try, if there's any, um, text that the thing is based on, I try to find out about that. So like in the case of on the mountain of the Lord, it was based on the story of Abraham and Isaac. And, you know, um, it said, even to this day, it, it, it there's the saying that, came from that time on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And that was kind of a new angle I'd never thought of that that story for Abraham became about how God provides, you know, and because um, God provided the ram. And, uh, you know, God will call us to the, you know, ask us to sacrifice, but but then he makes up, you know, he, he always comes through with what we, what we lack, <laughs> you know. And uh, I just thought that was a great saying on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So ju- I try to get in the space of, of what are we trying to accomplish with this song or what is this, what is the sort of theme of this event? Um, what's the feel? What are we going for? You know, is it, is it a conquering thing? Like uh, when we, we had a campus retreat called Bent on Conquest, um, you know, that's a conquering theme you know and it, and it was a very real revelation oriented it's, it's from a vision and revelation of the writer bent on conquest so for that song it was like okay i want it to be um this kind of conquering vibe and right. and uh, a, a lot of revelation stuff and so so i try to get in what you know that place and then um and then the songs that turn out best are ones where there's some kind of hook that has the you know a hook to it comes with the melody so like on the mountain of the lord it will be provided or great among the nations so like when that song when i was asked to write that song it was like you know that 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 song is really about kingdom prophecy in the old testament that that's where that verse comes from and um and and the this vision of the kingdom that these prophets had so what, what conference, don't, don't what have conference was that great among the nations? It was a uh, Middle East conference back in, gosh, probably 96 or something wow. like that. Okay. Maybe maybe later. I don't know, 97. I mean, how do, you, how do you deal with the pressure? I mean, it's one thing to go for a prayer walk and all of a sudden a song comes to your mind. But it's another thing to say, hey, you're commissioned. you got to come up with this. We've got a deadline. It needs to be done in three months. I mean, just... How, how do you just deal with the mindset of like, oh, I have to produce something inspirational here that everyone's counting on? Yeah, uh, well, I I try to not think about <laughs> not think about that, and <laughs> and it's 
it's the way I've come about this anyway is like um, it's been more of uh, you know people will ask me like they I'll get asked by younger people you know hey I, I have a vision I want to sing at the next conference or I want to write the next theme song or I want to and that's not how I ended up doing that stuff you know I don't I'm not the best I think I'm a good songwriter. I, I write. I'm. A, I'm kind of like a Tom Petty of the kingdom. Like I write good. I love Tom Petty. He's one of my favorites. I love Tom Petty, <laughs> but he, he. You know, nobody goes. Oh, I just love Tom Petty's voice. Like it right. just moves me. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of sounds like a little bit like uh, Bob Dylan. A little bit yeah. uh, mixed in there with uh, Oh Neil Young a little bit. You know. Yeah, just, exactly. That, that kind of he doesn't one. have a bad voice. It's just. I mean, he's good. He's a good singer. It's just. It's. It's his songwriting. He's catchy. He writes yes, great, definitely. catchy songs. So I feel like that's where God's blessed me is with. I I have the you know, and I can talk more about. I think maybe some t- t- tips about how to do that. But I just get earworms in my own ear, and then I pass them on to other people. And so I'm good at writing something catchy that stays in people's minds. But but I didn't, you know, I was writing like when I wrote "I Need Your Love." It wasn't for all of the churches, or you know, it's just this is for my own little church where i'm so tired of sanctuary i want to teach us something else and then you know god worked through these different and like in fact that song i remember having a, a big service um it was a regional service and i wanted to try to teach it to our group or to our region and that time was probably i don't know 500 people or something and, and printing so i made the sheet music and and wrote all the lyrics by hand because i didn't have the software to do that and and then photocopied them all. We had them on all the seats. And then it was one of those, you know, services where things are running long. And so it was like, okay, we're gonna have to scratch the song. And I remember, you know, feeling like, okay, well, I guess that was the one chance for people to ever learn that song and just, you know, oh, well, what a waste, but whatever, you know, like you have to kind of sacrifice that because you're like, you Art, artistic people, we want to share our art, you know, and right. say, okay, this is the moment I get to share it. And then, oh, we're not going to use the song. Okay, whatever. But it's funny to look back on that moment now where that song is sung. Like I, somebody sent me a video of people in China singing the song in Chinese. You know? so I'm like, awesome. I had to ask somebody, what language is that, you know? Um, but just because of how things worked out, you know, so I think if you have if you just serve God with your talent and let God do what he's going to do with it, don't be concerned with, okay, I have to find, I have to like force my way in. So I I think because I've come to it that way, I feel like it's about God and not me anyways. So I don't feel the pressure. Like if people don't like this or if it's not the right thing, you know, whatever. Mm. (laughs) That's a lot of wisdom right there. It really is. Just takes the pressure off from the goal of achieving an object to just loving the the art itself, the intrinsic, hey, I want to serve God with this, whether it gets recognized or not. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. I, I, I want to come back to that because I think <clears throat> I want to talk to you just a little bit about the the process, but let, let's go on here. How You're an evangelist. You're a teacher. You just finished your master's. You're a songwriter. You're a performer. Um, I mean, that's, that's a lot of of skill right there that's a lot of responsibility and you've you're trying to raise a spiritual family your kids are walking in in the faith you got a marriage to deal with um 
How do you keep all that together, Brian? That's that's just a lot. I mean, there's a, a lot of moving parts there. Plus, you're a technical guy. I can see into your studio there. There's a lot of technical stuff going on. How do you balance all that stuff? Yeah, I think um, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever guest gives you the answer, you know, get back to me. Um, I think uh, I definitely the most important thing I think is is walk with God. I mean, I think you got to have because I feel like God will will help me prioritize. God will his spirit will speak to me. And like there's things that I still haven't done that his spirit keeps saying got to do that you 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 know and and it's funny because sometimes the things that have had the most impact uh at least broad impact were not that wasn't the major thing i was doing you know like even the whole music thing that people know me for writing these songs and all that that's not like my day job you know what i mean like right. it's just sort of a side thing and then god used it in a way that it's just i just kind of watch it happen and go wow that's really cool i'm almost like a on the sidelines watching God mm-hmm. do something. So I think him, him directing us is the most important thing. And so just having a great quiet time every day. Um, I'm kind of, because I'm the way I'm made, I'm not this, the type of person that's like, okay, I'm going to have this. I wish I was more like this, but like, um, this super disciplined, schedule i think you might be a little more like that like okay it's gonna be 5 a.m workout 6 a.m quiet time yes, 7 a.m right, make right. my ministry calls eight o'clock. you know i'm right, just right. that that makes me deflate <laughs> whereas some people they get inspired by that idea right, right. I'm, I'm more like i just want to go with the flow and go with the, you know <laughs> there was a i gotta just take a so look I, I i have my almost more of like after the fact what's that oh uh, no, I just I remember a, a brother who was he was also was a song leader and, and and I was doing a class on, you know, ministry practicals and he said, you know, I I feel like I need to take a shot of whiskey before I, I attend your class because of all the practicals I know I'm gonna be handed. He goes, <laughs> It's just not my nature. He was kidding, yeah. but I, I just I understood what you're saying there. Yeah, there it's good it's good stuff. Um I mean p- people I was with Kevin Maines for many many years. He's just very driven. Like Kevin's the type of guy that he would uh on vacation, he'd get up at 5 or 6 so he could make ministry calls while the rest of the family's sleeping and kind of get away with it. <laughs> you know, I'm just not like that right. at all. Right. So um so I but I I'll track I I have certain, you know, things I want to try to hit every day. Um, you know, being in school, obviously that does a lot, um, for you. There's deadlines you have to, to meet ministry things. Okay. I got to preach this Sunday. I got to get my sermon done by Thursday. So I have time to think about it for a few days. And, you know, um, so there's deadlines I manage and, uh, you know, I have a journal and I, I try to, to manage all my, my to do's, but then, and then on my schedule, I'm more, I, I, build in blocks but then i also track what i've been doing so at least when i look back because i i'm kind of more of a guilty conscience like what have i been doing you know so i can right. look back and okay well, that's how i spent my time that's right um and so i track that but uh but i think um yeah i just pray that god will 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 help me with with <laughs> with all that i that's got great. going i just gotta make time for sure to talk to my wife every day and connect with her she you know we make sure in the evenings we have time to talk and download and make sure i'm trying to get time with each kid but i you know there's times i wish i would have spent more time here or more time there or things yeah. that are on the to-do list that 
you know, home ownership types of things mm-hmm. that kind of never get done. And right. but that's life, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that offers hope to a lot of people because, again, <clears throat> there's not just one type of personality, or um, you know, there's room for achievement, regardless of what whatever your your personality type is or your style of managing your life. So that's that's great. You're getting the most important things done, no matter how you schedule it. So that's excellent. Yeah, and and I just had one a couple more things I think I've learned more recently is so I used to I feel like we used to and I don't know if this is a lot of people but at least where where I was uh, surrounded by it felt like it was sinful to get eight hours of sleep you know like you know the righteous thing is to get up you know go to bed at midnight and get up at six and whatever and and so I would try to to push myself but then I would end up grumpy and then I would just get sick <laughs> I would just right. always I'm just somebody I need eight or nine hours of sleep or I just get sick right and then that's even worse so I've learned to be it's okay to get sleep you know and um I listened to your podcast with John Lusk I like what he said about doing things that inspire you or or kind of fill your tank right um I think that's something too that I've I've learned is important you know exercise um just like in order to be creative, you have to have downtime. You have to have time to just breathe, you know? So I think that's helped a lot. I, I think I'm more productive when I'm, you know, taking time to just mow the lawn and, um, you know, trying to, I, I'm not a strict Sabbath keeper, but I, I, I feel convicted about that. I'm like, we, we follow all the other 10 commandments, but not the one to keep the Sabbath. So, so in principle, I try to like Mondays, I try to just have downtime, but, um, I need to do better with that. But that's great. That's great. So that was my next question. What's your schedule look like? It sounds like it's it's varied and essentially it's just object. You just focus on this and then that and Yeah, I mean a couple of things on the schedule. I mean we we there's certain um habits, you know, quiet I usually do about a two hour quiet time in the mornings and um we my wife and I have our planning time on Friday mornings typically. And uh, we, we block out a big chunk of time to sort of plan our next week. So we'll plan like our discipling appointments and our studies and kind of let each other know what's we, we put a, a good chunk of time into planning that next week. We, so we love we love Fridays because the weekend's always crazy. So Friday sets us up for it. And um, so we've been doing that for many, many years. And, and uh, it's also time to, for us just to connect with how are we doing and what's going on with the family and for finances or anything like that. I usually ask, how are you feeling and how am I doing? And as a husband or as a father, I'm one of those. It's easier for me to ask uh, and receive feedback than to just get it along the way. <laughs> set myself up to be humble and getting ambushed. You know, earlier in marriage, there would be a lot of stuff to work through. And these days, it's she, usually she doesn't have much. Um, but uh, but yeah, th- habits like that help. And it's it's weird lately because our kids, my oldest is 21, the next one's 18, and my daughter's uh, 16. That they're both turning. Uh, actually, my son is going to be turning 19 here this month, and my daughter's turning 16. But um, so we're kind of like living in the dorms right now <laughs> because the kids, once the school shut down, I mean, they're like, so like I was up at 1:30 last night. I mean, it's like it, it's kind of crazy. So our schedule's a little nuts right now, but hopefully we'll be back to normal before. What, what do you mean by living in the dorms? Because they're back home with you? 
they're they're all three at home and so they're on with their friends and it's just a late night environment so i, I remember when we when okay. covid first started and and we were sort of all in quarantine the kids are up and they're talking to you know my son's on xbox yelling and talking to these campus students and like honey i feel like we're back in the dorms great oh that's funny now we've got people there that are like okay i'd like to develop my musical skills and maybe they don't have any you know grand musical aspirations, but they want to get better. I mean, I certainly feel that way. I, I, I don't, I didn't grow up in a musical family. I took guitar lessons when I was 16, stopped after a couple of years, but I've always loved music. And what advice would you give for a person who wants to, to be more musical, to, to develop their skills? Where would they start? Um, well, I think first don't get overwhelmed. Um, I think, um, like I just look at YouTube and there's such amazing talent, you know, by, you know, there's like a seven year old kid that can play guitar so much better than me. And you you can just feel like, well, why even try, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. So so I didn't have that when I was, was growing up. And so I remember like back when I was writing songs in high school, I kind of thought, man, these are really good songs. Like I'm up there with, you know, (laughs) because I didn't have access to the world of, everybody else writing the same songs I was writing. <laughs> so, um, so now you're just saturated with so much talent. So I think just don't get overwhelmed. It's, you know, don't, t- you know, it, it, it's not about trying to, um, be famous or something, just, just personal development, serving God, um, you know, and, uh, so, so, and then I think just, there's so many tools, there's all kinds of YouTube videos that'll teach you, um, anything you want to learn about any instrument. Um, I think you could even learn the theremin if you you wanted to, which is this weird instrument that makes strange horror music. Uh, you can, there's YouTube videos that'll teach you any instrument. So I think, um, making some time for it. Um, I've always made, like, I didn't start playing guitar till college and I never took guitar lessons, uh, or anything. I never had uh, any formal education with guitar. I would just, I bought a, uh, a nylon string guitar at a garage sale from our, our neighbors um, and uh, just started, you know, playing it and learning some chords. And and uh, I would incorporate it into my quiet times. I just like to, to play and sing songs. And and um, so that's kind of how I developed uh, guitar is just a little bit at a time, just playing and singing. And um, nice thing about worship music is it's pretty it needs to be pretty simple music because most people in the church um are not like these amazing singers that kind of goes back to what we we're talking about before my my concern with some of the music in the church is i think it's it's kind of record label driven and a lot of the newer songs they're they're in the sweet spot for a particular performer and they're kind of built to showcase that person's abilities rather than built for the voice of the church which is a simple voice so like a lot of these newer songs have these octave jumps or they they're kind of challenging vocally and and so there's a balance i think we got to keep it simple so i think um uh, i think good worship music is is easy anyway so you can learn you know usually three or four chords or something so it's okay well let's let's just let's talk a little bit about that i remember one time uh you you mentioning that when you're writing songs you tried to make it available for 
you know, people to play, whether in the cave or in the concert hall or something like that. Can, can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that, your, your, your theory or philosophy of, of making music? <clears throat> yeah, like, I, th- I mean, you, you, you talked about the, the, um, the, the, chur- the small churches, and I, I, I'm always thinking about the smaller churches and the, the smaller venues. And yeah, so like when I write a song, if it's for a congregational song, that, that's how I feel like my contribution can be is I can write simple songs. I mean, there's people that can write a little more complicated or, 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 or more um, maybe, maybe more musical things. Um, and, and, and I like that. Kind of, I like exploring different things, too. That's why I did this alternative rock project, um, this Ties to the Light project, because I, I wanted to explore some other things. But, but when, it, when it comes to church, I feel like I, I want to I offer simple songs that, like you said, could be sung at a baptism or sung at a, a, a family devo. Or, or, but they could also be scaled up. You know, you can add a band and a choir and do it really big as well. I think um, th- that's that to me is a, is a great church song is if it's scalable. Yeah. Um, yeah. because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I, I was at, at a, um, uh, where, where was it? Oh, I was at the ICMC a couple summers ago and I was on a, a, a shuttle from the, to the airport or from the airport to the, the conference. And I was just sitting there with my bags and some college students were there and they were trying to take turns leading songs. And, um, I think I'm trying to, they were doing praises heard around the world and um, my Lord heard were Jerusalem or some, some other really simple, like a call or response kind of song. And I just remember thinking, gosh, we need more songs like that, that are just simple. And, and anybody can just get on a bus with some other college students, you know, just lead it. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the magic, making it easy and, and accessible for, for more people. And I think that's, it's it's amazing how God's used you to, to do that, and that's that's really really powerful because it's it's challenging for the normal person to to, to sing like a, a Chris Tomlin song. You know, it, it tends to be very high. He's got a he's got a very high voice. I love mm-hmm. his music, but at the same time, it's like whoa, that's yeah, it's challenging. Puts him up there, it really well, is. Well, I think I think why that is is well, I, I, Chris Tomlin. The thing he does well is his songs are very catchy, and they're not. They are easy to sing if you bring them down. So like, like how great is our God? For example, if you think about what, how much of the scale that occupies, it's like it's just right in this little range. It's all just right here, you know. It's not these these octaves. So, but whereas a lot of 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 the newest song coming out of and i i like i want to say there's there's not a place for these songs i think having an awesome performer do a great song at your service it's it can be really moving and powerful it's just not going to be a song that people can sing at a baptism or right i think you know what i mean i I just think we need both is what i'm saying i mean there there have been kingdom songs like that like men who dreamed yeah, we, we yeah. laugh and call that men who screamed, you know. Yes, yeah, you got to have the right person and you got to have the right. Yeah, so I'm not saying but but some of the the songs from Elevation or Bethel or Hillsong or the the ones that that people like are are, you know, I and I get a lot of of requests for certain songs or we should do this or do that. 
and a lot of them are, are awesome performance-oriented songs, but but I'm always looking for what's the simple one. So Chris Tomlin, I think, does a great job. We do a lot of his songs, you know, Our God, Our God is Greater, Our God is Stronger, God, You're Higher Than... Again, it's just all... That whole melody is in a really narrow band, so a, a lot of people can sing it. And uh, the reason I think so much is pitched in that high tenor or alto range is because... I think if you think about evangelical churches on a whole, at least I've visited some for my school and for college and stuff like that. Most of the guys don't really sing. They just kind of mumble a little bit. And it's the girls that really sing. Mm -hmm. And most girls are alto. So, uh, so, you know, most of the female performers in church music are alto. It's usually alto range and, and then guys that sing really high. So they're in that same kind of alto range. So that's, I think that's why it, it works for that genre of just sort of basically melody and then a powerful band. Right. And everybody's belting out that alto. And the, the women are all belting it out. Some of the guys are singing up high and then most of the guys are just kind of mumbling. Right. <laughs> that's sort exactly. of the evangelical model of, of worship. And, and uh, I, there's things that I don't mean to, to disparage it i think there's power i've been in in spaces like with the lights down and and this band just blasting through the pa and it can be moving right it but i don't want only that like right. i don't want only that um speed i feel like there's something also so powerful about just a group of people singing with no instruments or a ukulele only or something. Right, right. exactly. I, I think that can be even more moving and you can create that so much more easily. You don't have to have lights and sound and tech and super gifted musicians and all of that stuff to get to this place of the presence of God. You know, you right. can have just a few people in a and a, a one instrument and a simple song, you know. Right, absolutely. So. And and I remember one time you, you told me that that you you felt like um, what was missing in some of the the popular music was a, the sense of mission. Can you talk a little mm. bit about that? Yeah, because um, yeah, a, I think a, that's a lot of your we... a lot of your songs are like, hey, let's make disciples. You know, praises heard around the world. It's like there's yeah. there's often this drumbeat of like, hey, let's go do something. Yeah, and I think part of that is not as much intentional as like writing songs for events that are for that purpose, you know, like Bent on Conquest or whatever, uh, or Great Among the Nations or something where it's... It, but others like Go Make Disciples, that just kind of came into my head. And, you know, we're obviously talking a lot about Matthew 28 at the time. and But, um, but yeah, I do think that... Um, that's been culturally a a, a great um a, you know a, a great aspect of our fa family of churches is the missionary mindset and uh, the mission mindset and you know having a family of churches that there's more outside the u.s than they're in the u.s and and um really valuing our worldwide fellowship i think that's super important and and if you just look at <clears throat> the the spectrum of of church songs yeah there's not many that are written about a mission uh, and uh, I mean I remember years ago Jeff Fawcett um, who wrote Hallelujah he was he went to a like a conference of of church music that was outside of our fellowship and he tried to introduce that song and people didn't like it at all they said it's like it sounds militant because <laughs> no you know they're just looking for the sort of personal 
it's, it's so much about vertical. And I think vertical we were missing for a long time in our fellowship. I think that's something, something we've really grown in the last 20 years is that vertical aspect of worship. But I right. think we also need the the horizontal aspect of, of setting our, our eyes on the mission field. And I think it's both, you know. Right, right. The other thing that I bothers me sometimes about um, about a lot of modern worship is sometimes it's almost it's so self-focused it's almost like you're singing more about yourself than you are singing about God. Um, I was on a, a, a conference. I went to a conference. It was many thousands of pastors that were on this online conference. I can't remember the name of it, but it was put on by some of the like push pay and some of these kind of um, tech church tech companies. It was really good. The content was really good. Um, but some church group introduced a new song. I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but, as they were singing, it was all about me. Like, and and I, I like you saying you and me and to, to God. You know, like I need your love is a personal right. song. Um, but I also think we is important to keep in our in our in our vernacular and um, not to be so individualistic. But this song, and I think a lot of songs like it can be. It's almost like I love you, God, because you do this for me and you do that for me, and and I feel this, but you do this for me and this and me and me and this and me and my life and you know right. I mean? it's like right. are we singing about me or are we singing about god right. you know so right interesting interesting yeah. now do you do you think that uh, before we go on i, I gotta talk about jeff fawcett because jeff fawcett was the best man in my wedding oh that's awesome and you know even when we were in japan we would sing his song in pam and i lived there for 10 years we would sing hallelujah in in Japanese. And I, I, I got to tell you, I would struggle because I would just love to tell people, oh yeah, he used to be my roommate. You know, the guy that wrote this, <laughs> he used to be my roommate. Actually, he's the best man in my wedding. So I would, I have name dropped Jeff Fawcett shamelessly over the past three decades. That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, Jeff grew up in a, in a background where his parents were both concert uh, performers and they played the, I think they played the oboe or some, some and he, so he grew up in a, in a musical background. Do you think music is genetic or can it be developed? Uh, I think it's both. And uh, that's cool. I knew you knew, Jeff. I didn't know you were close. That's awesome. Yes. And I, we've been working on some new projects, actually, um, some kind of alt-rock alt -rock projects. I we've love Jeff. A couple songs together. So. Super talented. Um, yeah. And he's, I mean, I really, he's, he's the one that put this whole new songbook together that we did in like whatever the late nineties or something that had a lot of these songs in it that I wrote even before I was full time in the ministry, I was working in, in my, uh, tech career. And, um, so I'm really, I'm really thankful that, that, you know, God worked that out for us to become friends. And, but, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think, um, I think it's both. I think, uh, there is certainly, I think it's like, sports you know um or, or other abilities there's there's a natural component and then there's the developmental component not everybody can become a professional basketball player but everybody can become a better basketball player um you know when i was when we were leading first in the ministry trying to lead the church in long beach i i uh really tried to work on my basketball uh practicing every day and but then i finally you know, realize it was more of a hindrance to the kingdom of God than a help <laughs> for me to be right. out there. Um, but volleyball is something I can do well, and I can, ex I, I, I'm a good volleyball player, so I can, you know, 
go to the beach and reach out, play volleyball instead of on the basketball court. Um, but so I think music is like that. There is a natural ability that people have and can develop more. But uh, but I think everybody can grow in it. And um, I, I think there's more. I mean, when I see our teens and, and working with uh, younger people, it seems like there are more gifted people than ever um, in our churches because I think maybe it's because of the access to YouTube and Instagram and, you know, the, the, these tools. My daughter just started playing ukulele on her own. Um, you know, we I tried to we tried to get our kids into into music lessons and th things like that, but I also tried to not push them. And, um, you know, wasn't sure if they were, would, would do it or not, but <clears throat> all three of our kids did band and, and, um, um, my, my oldest son played trombone and band and, and then my middle son played French horn and he ended up doing that, but also really excelling in kind of the technical aspects of, of marching band. He ended up becoming <clears throat> a band manager and then band president and kind of all this other stuff with band. But my daughter started just playing ukulele on her own and started writing songs on her own. And, and um, man, she writes some awesome songs. We put a whole album together of her songs about a year ago. Um, and uh, but, but her and her friends and, and some of these young people, it's just amazing how many people have just a, a, um, you know, a gift of playing an, um, an instrument here or there, maybe because they're, they're, there's so many tools that they can use to, to learn it. She'll show me some of this stuff. Like there's this new app you can put any song in, like any YouTube link um, to a song, and it'll automatically tell you what all the chords are. Oh my gosh, that's what's the name of the app? I don't know. I can <laughs> I can find out and text you. Okay. She, she showed it to me. I was like, that's incredible. She was like, look, my own songs are on there. So since we her name's Cora Craig, so you can and and her songs are on, uh, you know, the the streaming platform. So you can put her song in, and then it'll put the chords of her song. So she. <laughs> She just thought that was so cool. That's fantastic. Because there's songs that she wrote and we recorded, and then she couldn't remember how to play. <laughs> so it's right. Kind of funny. <laughs> right. Exactly. Use the app to come back to it. Well, that's that's your your kids must feel a little bit of pressure, I'm sure. Preacher preacher dad plus performer dad and songwriter dad, but we won't I go. Know. We, we won't try go to there. Not, not make them feel too much. <laughs> exactly. Well, what 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 can a person do? who doesn't think they sing that well to improve their singing. I mean, this this is a big issue because I remember when I was a young minister and our song leader was out, we were having a park service. And so I had to step in to lead songs and it was like a campus mm -hmm. ministry. So I led songs and and um, I was walking away with my, my girlfriend at the time, Pam, we, we got, later got married. But I remember just sheepishly saying, hey, so what, what did you think about the service? And she said, sermon was good. She said, but I don't think I'd ever lead songs again. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and I mean, it was, it was kind of a crossroads in our relationship. I was so humiliated by that. I was so embarrassed. And uh, I'm sure she was right, but we, you know, it was like, oh, I don't think she really respects me. And, and my music was, uh, my musical skills are, not super great, but what advice would you give to a person? It's like, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to improve my worship experience. I'd like to, to sing better. Well, I think um, if it's um, if, if it's just wanting to learn to sing better, I think there, there's nothing like just practice. Um, you know, just singing along to 
music that you like, um, you know, singing along to, to music that you listen to in the car, just practice it. You know, your, your vocal cords are, are muscles and um, just like any, any muscle part of your body, I think it, it just takes practice. I, I'm, I, I, since we've been in quarantine, not been able to go to the gym, I've been trying to pull out these uh, P90X videos again. And, you know, it's amazing how you just lose stuff when you don't use it. I'm trying to do yoga and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm trying to do this weird pose where you're like reaching behind and grabbing underneath your leg. And I'm like, I know. I, I've seen that video. I've done that video. <laughs> Tony, what's his name? Tony. Uh, yeah. I know. I can't, it's, yeah. Can't anyway. remember his last name. Mm-hmm. But um, but then after, you know, a few times, it's like, okay, I can I can hold that pose for four seconds now, you know, <laughs> and right. eventually it'll be, you know, longer. So I think it's just you have to practice. You have to um, to exercise those those chords. You have to, to, to try and not be afraid to try. And I think if, 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 if it comes to somebody leading songs, I think there too, just you learn, there's nothing like just practicing and, and trying and, and, you know, maybe your venue isn't a regional service, but maybe it's Bible talk. But, um, I mean, that's how I learned to song lead and I learned to worship lead from song leading. So it was kind of a good place to come from, uh, like you mentioned, acapella traditions. So, even today, if I lead songs at a conference and I've got my guitar or something, I'm still coming from the place of acapella song leading. So it's it's all about connecting with the audience or with their with their voices and and kind of leading them rather than showcasing my ability. So, right. um, but you learn that through practicing with groups. And um, so you know, I, I started leading songs in, in my teen ministry. You know, leading well my evangelist or whatever (laughs) (laughs) okay now that's that's helpful so just good practice what advice would you give smaller churches with limited resources during this pandemic because i mean it's it's almost discouraging brian like like we're in a relatively small church regional church and I mean, you go online and you see what's going on in terms of musical talent on some of the larger churches, and you see like songs being sung simultaneously, like nine different parts, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, we can't even, you know, we can barely get one song song leader to to lead a song." What advice would you give to to worship during this time when it's it's really impacted worship probably the most? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely hard, and uh, I've been there myself. We've had we've been doing most of our our, our stuff live, but um, we've had some services where we kind of pre-taped it, and then I was only had one little live chunk, so the worship was all like on my TV, and I'm trying to sing in the in my living room along with it, and it, it's hard to connect. It's much harder <clears throat> to connect. Um, I think it takes. I think uh, teaching through it, teaching people to, 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 to take time to quiet yourself, to use this time, you know, that you need it, you know, you need, uh, you need time to just stop and, and reflect on God. And, and, uh, so uh, there's that, that part as far as teaching the, the congregation, but as far as the production aspect of it or what you're putting out there for them to listen to, <clears throat> I think, um, I mean, I think we've been stealing from other places and other groups. We've used Denver stuff, Chicago stuff. I've, we had a kind of an international flavored service. I found stuff from uh, like Justin Renton's church and um, 
you know, I, I think it's kind of cool for to to kind of have some worship from different places. I've used some of Mark Hoyle's stuff and San Diego stuff and everything that we've done. I put in a folder and just said anybody that wants to use any of it, feel free to use any anything here. You know, here's a folder with all the files. So I can share that with you if you want to use any of that. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Where would we find it? Um, if you go to uh, my website, if you just Google J. Brian Craig and then uh, go to my blog, you follow the that to my blog or just look for my blog. It's called Monday Morning Music. There's a link on there um, that says, there's, there's a link on there that says uh, virtual music, virtual worship videos or something like that and that will take you there um, to a bunch of YouTube links that you can you can use a YouTube downloader and download them or uh, I also made a folder with uh, like the files that you can download um, somebody can always email me or something too and I'll, I'll email them a link to that folder right but, um, but as far you know it, there's still nothing like hearing from your own people so I think um, having your own people do it is cool too um, you know, even if it's uh, somebody who's gifted um, a singer with a ukulele or, or something like that on an iPhone, it can it can still be good if it's you know if if there's not background noise and if you use some kind of basic mic techniques and stuff like that. Um, those mashup videos are we've done quite a few of them. They're they're fun, but they're very labor intensive. It's not you know people think it's just oh you just get everybody on a call and and everybody performs or something, but that's not how it's done. It's, um, it looks kind of like that, but it's done through compiling each individual thing. And then a lot of editing work to put it all together. It looks tough. It looks really challenging. I guess you have to align all the tracks to, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. The way I do it is I do the audio first. Um, and and so is there like a, is there like a soundtrack that it's built on? Everyone's singing the same, like guitar place, a guitar, yeah, so I'll make a guide track, which is just uh, I, when I first started doing it, I would put just the instruments on it, but then people would sing out a key, and so then I realized, oh, they need something with all the vocals on there. So I'll make a guide track that's basically the full song, and then people will sing along to it. Um, so they're wearing headphones, so you can't hear the guide track. They can hear the guide track, but the camera can't hear it. And then just record it on a on a cell phone or something. Them singing along with that guide track in their headphone. And then you take all of those voices and I'll pull all their, all the audio off and put it into a multi-track, um, audio system. I, I use, uh, logic, but logic is just kind of a pro version of GarageBand. You could use GarageBand. Which How is about free audition? Could you use audition? I don't know that program, but probably if it allows you to have multi-tracks, you yeah. definitely could. Okay. And then you, I, I just put all the audio in there and get it sound mixed really well and sounding good. And then I, then I export that, so that's one sort of my final audio mix, and then uh, and then you go into your video editor, and you don't use the original audio from the videos. You just sync each one of those videos to that audio that you put together. Wow! So it's kind of labor intensive, but I I just kind of look at it as well. This is something that let people know about our church. It becomes kind of a media piece that you can use in the future. It's neat. Um, it's really it's really cool looking. And a little daunting too for a smaller church yeah. as well. So that that's that's great. Thank you for doing that. But even a couple people, I mean, we did a song. Uh, we did the song "Oh Come to the Altar" with my daughter singing, and I just sang a really quiet backup vocal to her, and and just she was playing ukulele, and I was playing my uh, my little nylon string guitar, the one I told you I bought from the garage sale. You still have it. 
knowledge I still have it, you know. <laughs> um, so, and that's like my favorite song that we've done. I mean, I'm partial because it's my daughter, but it just, it turned out great. It's just one microphone. That's kind of the, I mean, that's where American music comes from is folk music. It's just people with, you know, simple and they would you know the folk recordings. It would just be one microphone and people gather around it, you know, and kind of add their harmonies. So it can be done simply. That that recording is just one microphone, and my daughter singing and me singing and her playing ukulele and, and me playing, but no multi-track, no anything. Just one, uh, just a di a microphone like this, like a this is a hundred dollar microphone, but just a large diaphragm mic. So even if you have a smaller church and you go, okay, let's just buy, if you just use GarageBand and a USB mic, I think a good mic does help, but even something like that and two people, you know, singing softly, it, it can be really moving. That's great. That's, thank you for the practicals. That's, that's good. You know, it's interesting that there, there's only one time I've ever written a song and mm. it was when I was dating Pam. <laughs> and I pulled, I don't know why, but I pulled out my old guitar that I had stored away nice. and I started messing around with it and I came up with a song. It's called Sent from Heaven. And I talk about how, you know, God sent her. She, she came from Egypt. She'd been on a mission oh, team cool. and she came into San Francisco and, and I wrote that song and I performed it for her and I've never been able to write a song since that time, you know, and, but I still got that song. She still has the original lyrics that That's I wrote awesome. for her. So it's posted on our bedroom wall and, and it's really cool, but I'd like to write some more songs. You know, I go, okay, if I did it once, I, I guess I could do it again. Um, yeah, you, know, you absolutely could. But if, if a person wanted to start writing songs, where, where would they start? I mean, I, I, that, there was so much powerful emotion going on at that time. You know, it was yeah. just, it just came to me. I, I don't even know how I came up with the music or anything like that. It was totally intuitive, but where, where would a yeah. person start? Well, that's great. I, I, um, I wrote a bunch of songs for Dessa too in college, and most of them are so cheesy that I can't really share them. You know? <laughs> one is called "You're My Dream Come True." You know, <laughs> another one is "You're My Friend." You are my friend. The time I spend with you, I wish would never end. Wow, it's just like really, really cheesy. But sounds it's like good. John Denver. I can't make uh, love songs very good and not have him be cheesy i told you know elias right elias Delos. yes of course so he, he writes love songs that are so deep and so good i told him man your songs are not cheesy at all <laughs> but um so what i do is um i just get and i don't know if you're like this or if other people are like this i hear some people are like this sometimes i just get a little melody in my mind like just a little riff and i don't know if it's already a song or if it's just something new. A lot of times it's when I've been listening to music, like if I've just had music on or something, and then I'll just be walking around the house, maybe I'm doing <clears throat> the dishes. Or like I said, I would, you know, told you that story where I was walking the floors, cleaning, cleaning right. the trays up. Right. But I'll just get some little melody in my mind. And so I think that the main thing is to capture those things. Um, sometimes it might be also if you pick up an instrument, if you're learning an instrument, if you're, like playing uh, a, uh, like learn, learning some scales or you're learning a song, but sometimes you just play some chords and you're like, huh, I kind of like how that sounds. Mm -hmm. I think just capture, I've always had a discipline of capturing those things. Um, I used to, way back when I had this 
I don't know if you ever did you ever have like a Palm Pilot? Oh yeah, late nineties. The one sure. after that was yeah. the Compact. Did you yeah. have the Compact? And I didn't hear about iPad? that. No. Uh, okay, so the one the one the thing with the thing after the Palm Pilot was a Compact iPack. It was called. I had that, and I would make recordings on that little memos. And then of course once I got a iPhone, I I use that all the time. So like if, on here I've got all of these are just little voice memos of of just song you know little little snippets of things right um and sometimes i don't know so there's a lot there that's a lot yeah and sometimes it's like got a a, a melody i mean a a, a, vo, a what do you call it a lyric to it but sometimes it's just like a little something right and then and then i might go back and listen back to those and it's it's funny because i don't remember even doing them but I'll, uh, I'm just going to play one here at random sure. so you can hear what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no remembrance of that, but, but, um, but the little hook there is and sometimes I like the sound this is maybe a little more advanced but I like the sound of certain syllables right and so like I gave it the name blown apart to oblivion because I <laughs> the melody I like the sound blown apart to oblivion so then so then I might turn that into a song that has kind of a similar vi sound to it but right. it's more after I've figured out what I want to write about and maybe it's uh you know something that sounds like oblivion but it's not oblivion it's right change the lyrics olivia right. yeah maybe right. it's about olivia i don't know but um so just capturing little things like that and another thing I'll, I'll capture is uh is songs i want to write about so a lot of times i'll read a psalm and i'm like oh that would make a great song or i'll read a scripture and i'll go that would make a great song um and i just you know like i look right now so i have a uh a song ideas note in my Mac and, or, you know, it syncs to your iPhone as well. But so I, I just called song ideas and I just have, I don't know, hundreds of little, little things, you know, like I'll just, um, like, uh, let me just, I'll just pick something at random. Um, public spectacle purpose of crucifixion. Okay. So like, like the crucifixion, the purpose of it was basically, it's like a, here we're going to put somebody on a billboard. Right. That's kind of the purpose of it. It's right. like they put they would put crosses at, at heavily traveled areas. And so we're, we're just, here's their, what they did. And here's, you know, for all to see. So I don't know, at some point I must have thought that would be a, a, an interesting communion song to talk about that aspect of the cross, right. how it was meant to be a public spectacle, but maybe now it's, it's uh it's the glory of god or something you know i don't know but um or it might not even be spiritual it might be uh uh something having to do with something going on right now or like you you mentioned um there's a lot of emotion in the thing with your, your relationship with pam so i think emotion is a great place to 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 it's very cathartic even if you're writing a song just for you and god or just for you and a friend you know it's very cathartic to put your emotion into music right
So if you suffer from a loss, um, we went through a really hard year, 2017. I wrote a lot of songs that are just, it was just cathartic. Um, but yeah, it, it, it it does something for you to, to, to put that pain uh, into, I mean, that's why I think most pop songs are breakup songs, you know? Right. Exactly. (laughs) They're almost all breakup songs. Um, I think people feel pain and they they either they want to express it in music or they want to hear music that speaks to their pain that they're in in the moment you know yeah exactly well Brian I think uh, I really appreciate all the time you put into this I just want to ask you a few more questions you've done some really amazing things I mean you've got you know Scott Adams the author of Dilbert talks about talent stacking and how you know you don't have to be the LeBron James of any one particular thing, but if you're pretty good at a lot of different things and develop talents in different areas, you can become really an amazing person. And I, I see that in you. I see how mm. you, you're you a great preacher, you are a songwriter and uh, a song a performer, and now now you're a teacher. I go, you've got all these different, you're, de- you're developing skills. You've got this aspect of technical skill and that you learn. And so you've kind of stacked a bunch of different talents that's made that's made you a very um, powerful individual. And I, mm. I think that's something that needs to be noted is, mm. is how you put together and kind of stack talents one on another. And maybe, you know, you yourself have said, Hey, maybe you're not the most complicated songwriter, but along with your other talents, it's really having a kingdom wide impact. What, what, when you look back on your career, what makes you the most proud? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I mean, um, career-wise, I don't. I mean, there's different things. I think definitely. I, I mean, in terms of what we're talking about with worship and music and and all that, I think a high water mark was the the World Discipleship Summit in 2012. Just being able to be a part of that, um, being able to work with Mike Tolliver on that, what we were trying to to do. I think just the whole spirit of it. I loved that God worked it out so we could worship in the round. I mean, if I could. I would have every service be like that. I just love being in the round. And there was something so powerful about, you know, pushing audio out from the team in the center to the congregation. And then all from all four sides, voices coming back in mm-hmm. that uh, the singing was just incredible. It yeah. was just one of those. It was really a mountaintop experience. It really literally. was. It, it was. And it was something I'll never forget. Yeah, it was just so incredible. So just to have been involved in that, I don't think, you know, there's... You know, like I said, there's people who are more talented than me. I got to do it with my best friend, Marshall Mead. He played electric, and he's like, there's so many better electric players. But but he, it's not about that, right? It was It's about the, the – it's about, It's not about who's on stage. It's about the, the group, the family. Mm-hmm. But, but So I, I just felt honored to be a, a part of that and to get to coordinate all that and, and uh, just to be there for that. Um, this one that we were supposed to be at this weekend um, or next weekend – Marshall asked me to head that one up and um, in this case it was like I think it'd be better to have the younger generation uh, take it on you know I, I appreciate that you know the opportunities I've had and so I recommended Tony Fernandez who's there in in Florida and um, you know and, and some of these we have some amazing young worship leaders in our fellowship of churches uh, you know Case Sam Perkins and in, in Denver and I don't want to start naming names because I'll leave somebody out but right but I I just rec- recommended them, you know, and Chase McIntosh, and um, you know, I just recommended that they take it, and I'll just 
kind of advice, but it was hard because I love it so much. It was hard to do that, but I feel like for the good of the church, it's better for the church to have, I mean, that's what 2020 vision is all about is the younger, I feel like the younger generation taking the torch and, and taking it on. And, and part of it is coming to grips with my own middle age. You know, I don't like, <laughs> I said in a sermon maybe a year ago, like I'm, I'm almost approaching middle age or something like that. And people started <laughs> mocking me as I'm preaching. Like, no, you, you hit middle age a while ago. I was like, well, if I live to 90, then if I live to 100, then that's technically 50 as middle. So, um, you know, because it's middle age is tough on musicians and rockers and, you know, we don't. Yep. Uh, it's you the, only youth is valued <clears throat> in the music industry right um so i've had to like learn to to embrace my my dadness and my middle age you know but um but i, I feel like i've kind of come through the other side of that a little bit oh my gosh <laughs> absolutely absolutely i so i guess we won't be seeing you on tour with journey and and uh steve <laughs> miller band I, I guess no okay um and any final words that you'd like to give to a person that, that wants to make a difference with their life? They, they, you know, they're thinking, Hey, I want to make this life count. I have only got one life. I want to, I want to give to God as much as I can. And any advice that you'd give them? Um, well, I mean, you mentioned being the, having, uh, multiple talents or whatever. And I, I've always kind of, I mean, I remember my best friend and I in high school, when we studied the Renaissance men, you know, how they would do all these different things. We, we both were like, that's what, that's what we want to be. We want to be Renaissance men. We want to mm -hmm. science and art and music and why not do all of it, you know? Right. And, and, and that kind of, I, um, I just love learning. I love learning different things. And, um, I think we are, we are living in an age that you can learn anything you want to learn. You can, um, grow in so many different ways. Like it's, so don't stop growing. Like don't, don't just settle for who you are today. Like learn new things. Uh, I mean, I appreciate you, you know, learning to play guitar for your, for your, <laughs> for your, uh, you know, you're, here's a seasoned evangelist church planter. Um, you know, the go-to man for how do you plant a church? And he's, you know, looking at my videos for how to play guitar. That's <laughs> so, right. Oh, so boy. humbled by that. But I think, you know, we can always learn new things. I feel like I'm still learning new things about recording and mixing. And, and uh, this COVID's been a great time for that, putting those, those videos together. I feel like I've grown a lot just in, in using some of these, these tools. <clears throat> so I think if you, A, start with, you know, whatever you do, you want to serve God. And I always tell God, you know, I'm here to serve you, God. And 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 whatever i'm doing is an offering for you because you'll be tested in that you know if it's about your art or if it's about your job or if, like my my goal in life can't be my success in ministry right it has to be pleasing god and right. if that's in the full-time ministry great if it's not amen like i have to be surrendered so it has to be whatever i'm doing is for god and, the, and 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 god has made us in his image you know the imago day that we we are creators we're cultivators we want to do stuff you know and and there's something about that learning something new or creating something new or growing that it, it's invigorating so yeah. i think um don't wait to be asked uh by somebody just you know or or uh, just step out and, and learn something or do something or produce something um i kind of to, to go back to the thing about worship leading or music or art i think a lot of times people you know i go to a lot of art 
we'll do conferences on with artists or musicians or you know get-togethers of, of musical people and a common thing I hear is no pe- nobody's asking me for my art or nobody is affirming my art or my evangelist doesn't doesn't like it doesn't get my gifts or you know th- that kind of I, I know that frustration of feeling right. like I have a gift but I don't have an opportunity to use it uh, I just say there's never been a better time to be able to share your gift even if it's just creating a YouTube channel and sharing songs that you wrote right. uh, you know like there's there's nobody holding you back don't you know and and if you God will will build it like right along the way like I, I I look back at old songs I wrote some old songs are old recordings even the first CDs I put out I knew they were bad it was just this is the best I can do right with the equipment I have and uh, the voice I have and I, I'm just I want to share these songs so I'm putting this music together I feel like God told me to to put this music together and so I'm just gonna do it and it's not perfect and right. I, I, you know I think a lot of artists are perfectionists and so they're like I'm gonna hold my art until it's perfect and I just say don't do that just share it with the world when you're surrendered to God and it's about him then you can do that you right know? exactly uh, because it's not about you anyway and so people like it if they don't like it you don't take it personally so yeah it, it, boy Brian thank you so much for your time and that's inspiring advice and I, I, the thing that impresses me about you is there's a lot of humility um, in spite of the fact that you're in the spotlight literally quite a bit, you, mm-hmm. you, you don't, you haven't been actively seeking the spotlight and you're using your gifts and your interests to serve the kingdom of God, which <clears throat> I certainly respect and, and just want to wish you all the best going forward. You, in my mind, you, you're, you're a youngster. You've got many, many more years ahead of you, <laughs> you know, and I, I really appreciate that. And I want to thank you for listening today to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you enjoyed the program, I'd like to ask you to share it with your friends and subscribe to the podcast. Have a great day and make this life count.